Hey guys, Grant here. I want to tell you all about my friends at Black Bear Inn and Suites of Gatlinburg who are making it possible to bring this episode to you. As you guys know, I grew up in East Tennessee, and there are two things that all East Tennesseans have in common. We all love the balls, and we all love the Smoky Mountains. Since I've moved to Nashville, I've been unable to get my Smoky Mountain fix in, but thankfully our friends at Black Bear Inn and Suites of downtown Gatlinburg have me covered. They are conveniently located at 1100 Parkway and are within walking distance of all the major attractions and best food that downtown Gatlinburg has to offer. To book your Smoky Mountain getaway today, visit BlackBearGatlinburg.com or call 865-436-5656 or toll free at 1-800-933-0777. Hey y'all, Jordan here. I wanted to tell you about our friends at Three Kings of Cardboard, the go-to spot to upgrade your sports memorabilia collection. Check out their Facebook group and eBay at Three Kings of Cardboard. I have dealt with them personally and will not deal with anybody else. My favorite item is my Jalen Wright one-of-one Bowman U Super Fractor that they pulled me. Check out our friends at Three Kings of Cardboard today. Welcome to this edition of the Vaughn Out Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, here with my co-host, Grant. How you doing today, brother? Man, I am good. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we got a special guest on, on with us today. Uh, we got Eric Kane from On3 Locked On Vols and VolQuest with us. With us. How you doing today, Eric? Hey, I'm doing great. I uh, appreciate you guys for having me on, and um, it's 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 kind of a unique time where no football season, but there's still plenty to talk about, that's for sure, especially here and around the University of Tennessee. Absolutely, man. There almost always is, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, always, especially with Transfer Portal and everything else right now. Right. Um, man, let's uh, let's get started here. What, tell us a little bit about yourself, Early your early life. Grew up in Jeff City. I know that. Played a little high school ball and all that. What? Tell us all about all that, man. Yeah, so I uh, grew up in Jeff City, um, went to Jefferson County High School, was a Patriots, and um, had, had, a, had a great time. Uh, you know, that was a great experience, and, um, you know, it's, it's always special. You know, I played, and I'll get to that in a moment, at Carson Newman, which, you know, I made the big trek over to Carson Newman. I actually, I actually drove farther from my, my childhood home to high school than I would to Carson Newman, <laughs> but uh, um, there's something special about, you know, that high school pride where you come from, you know, Dumplin' Valley, Jeff County, and... I do rivalry Thursday here in the Knoxville market um, with Mark Packer and Austin Price. And, um, you know, Jeff County had such a magical year and we had him on a couple of times. And it was, you know, it was really, really cool to see the success of that program under former Vol national champion, team captain Spencer Riley. So that's been pretty neat and had a lot of fun doing that. And, uh, you know, went on and, and went to Carson Newman and uh, spent four years there. And I guess it was, you know, early on, I kind of, kind of got my seat on the bus, if you will, you know, playing special teams. And um, I have a, I have a huge soft, soft spot for special teams. You know, that's kind of the forgotten third of the game and nobody really, and even in my analysis now, when I'm doing articles and podcasts and everything, you don't talk about special teams much, but man, they're, they're warriors. I mean, I know they've changed the rules on kickoff to where, you know, there's not a whole lot of kickoff returns anymore, but you got to be a bad dude to run down there full speed and, you know, take those licks or on the receiving end, you know, dropping back five, 10 yards and then, not catching, but attacking those guys. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a whole lot of fun. So I played special teams early on, played some linebacker my last two years. It was never the biggest, never the fastest, uh, proud myself on being the smartest. <laughs> I will say that I'll proud myself on being the smartest and knowing kind of where to be. And I had a blast doing that. And so it was really a joy to kind of grow up, you know, football player, you know, around uh, the Lakeway area, Jefferson County, Carson Newman, and, uh, you know, made, made some lifelong friendships and definitely would do it over 10 times out of 10 if I could. Right. Well, you know, you said you you said you had all the smarts, man. That that's the truth. You were an Eagle Scholar athlete. 
I was an Eagle Scholar athlete. There you go. I don't know where you found that, but I was. <laughs> I, found, I found it on the Carson Newman website. So there you go. Yeah, there, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Eagle man. Scholar, man. I, uh, you know, I mean, for me, like, and, and I mean, I was, uh, I'm not trying to like brag or anything. Like I was never a, I was never a 4.0 or taking, uh, you know, super advanced. I mean, I took some honors classes and everything in high school and college and all that, but I was never a super big bookworm, but um, I was blessed to, you know, be pretty decent in school, but for football, it just kind of, it's like a different language. And, um, yeah, I just, it just kind of, kind of understood it. Um, you know, I wasn't as good at it. I wasn't as good at executing it maybe as some other teammates of mine and certainly guys playing at the university of Tennessee, but, uh, you know, I, I understood it. I knew it. I got the why. And, um, I think it really helped me, you know, kind of knowing not only what to do, but why you're doing it that way you can kind of communicate and, you know, talk out there on the field. So, uh, I was, I was blessed in that regard for sure. Yeah, I always man. tell my boys that one. Sorry, Grant, I didn't mean to uh, cut you off there, bud. What you got? I was just going to say, you know, Eric, uh, what kind of went into that decision to go play at Carson Newman? Was it just that you grew up in Jeff County or was it, you know, that was just the best place for you to go play and chase championships? Yeah, well, I mean, growing up in Jeff Jeff County, I mean, you always knew about Carson Newman, right? I mean, you know, all Tennessee fans, you know, I grew up going to Tennessee games with my dad and some great memories. But, you know, Carson Newman, even when I was there, played some Thursday night games. And so. Uh, to kind of kick off the season the first couple of weeks and 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 really it kind of helped because you weren't playing simultaneously with the University of Tennessee. I remember later in my career at, at Carson Newman and may he rest in peace, Ken Sparks, just the the freaking legend, man. Um, he would um he would dictate the times for and a lot of times you have to change him because you know we don't know the time for Tennessee games until about ten days out. But he would dictate the times of Carson Newman games a lot of times to you know, be opposite of what Tennessee was because a lot of people in the area, I mean, they're going to go, I mean, you get that. They're going to go root on Tennessee, but you want to have a nice little crowd there for a home ball game. So if Tennessee was playing at seven, we play at one or, you know, if Tennessee was playing at four, we play at noon or, you know, whatever like that. So, uh, but for me, you know, I, you know, I, I got some looks. I mean, if, if you're a college football player, I don't care if you go to Tennessee or to Carson Newman, even Maryville high school, typically you're the best player on your team or one of the better players on your team. Um, but I felt like I had a good head on my shoulders knowing that, you know, five foot ten, two hundred pounds. I was, I was not going to Tennessee. I was not going to Southern Cal or any of the big places like that. So you know, I would take those trips and uh, talk about those memories. So me and a bunch of the guys on on we play on Friday nights, then we would load up in the car, one of our cars, and we go to University of Cumberland's for a game on Saturday or for uh, Campbell, uh, Campbellsville, Campbellsville, um, uh, Lindsey Wilson, um, Emory and Henry, Carson Newman, and you know, kind of did that tour throughout the fall of my Thursday my freshman and senior or my excuse me my junior and senior year and you know when it came down to it I kind of you know I just looked around and everything and Carson Newman was allowing me a spot there and I'm like well the history's there the facilities compared to you know where I was going to go and really at the time compared to a lot of division one programs the facilities were incredible and I was like man this is some big time football so it was kind of an easy decision for me plus you know having the home about 10 minutes away wasn't what wasn't uh, that big of a deal either I could go home whenever I wanted to so that's kind of kind of how I made my decision um the facilities were a really big you know fact we talk about school we talk about uniforms a lot of times now but like for us we're like eh, who cares about uniforms but you know for a kid it's a big deal I'm like facilities are the same way and that's that was kind of my one of my drawing points to Carson Newman compared to you know some of the other schools that I'm sure I would have had fun at but uh you know NII division two division three you know Carson Newman was kind of kind of advanced looked like more of a division one program yeah I mean being able to go get mom's cooking too anytime is yeah. that's a big deal right there Absolutely. 
Grant, what you got, bud? Yeah, well, you know, and one thing I wanted to touch on right here with you as well, your senior season, uh, 2014 to 2015, you had 32 tackles, um, you know, just looked like you really balled out that year. Uh, kind of what went into I had more that. than that. Did I you? I had more than that. <laughs> Google's wrong, man. I don't know. I, I don't know how many I have, but I, I think, um, you know, I, I'm not a football player, but let me let me just let me Uncle Rico. It's what I say on my podcast all the time. Let me go back. Um, I had I led I led Carson Newman one of those years. I think it might have been my senior year. I don't know how many it was, but I led Carson Newman in tackles. Um, and I had you guys will find this funny. I mean, again, small, you know, short, undersized, not the most athletic, but I was good enough, right? And um, I, I never in my life have I ever had an interception. And my senior year at Carson Newman, I think I had two. I dropped another one, but I had two interceptions my senior year at Carson Newman. And it was the weirdest thing because, I mean, it was it was awesome. Don't get me wrong. But, like, even in high school, like, I never had an interception. So, that senior year at Carson Newman, we, I think we finished the season, like, seven and three. I mean, we're, we're okay. Um, but it was it was an absolute ball. It's funny. You always remember the one you drop. <laughs> yeah. In fact, the one that I dropped came after – we were playing Mars Hill. It was at home, and uh, I'd already had an interception. And then, like a quarter or two later, it was one of those balls that were batted around. I was like, uh, you know, and I just I couldn't I couldn't bring it in. And uh, it was after I'd already had an interception. But you're right; you always remember the tackle you missed, or the the interception you didn't have, or if you're a receiver, the drop or the fumble or whatever. That's kind of how it always sticks with you, right? <laughs> You ain't wrong on that, man. You ain't wrong at all. Well, I kind of want to talk about your start in uh, media because obviously that's what your career is now. I know you started out with the Kingsport Mets uh, doing some stuff for them. Then you moved over to 99.1 in Knoxville, which is how I found you whenever I lived out there. But uh, kind of talk about that. How did you get started in the industry? How did you know I was with the Kingsport Mets? Man, Google's Google's a hell of a thing. <laughs> I've done my research on you, bro. Volling out boys do their homework, brother. That's off to you guys. A lot of people don't know that. Um, yeah, dude. So I was, I was, I played at Carson Newman, and I was so focused. Again, knew, knew, always knew that I, I was never going to make money playing football. Okay, but I just, I just loved it, and I knew, like, hey, when I went to Carson Newman, I got four years, and um, you know, th this is it. I mean, the game that I love, and uh, you can always go out and shoot basketball, play pickup basketball. You can go play adult league softball. I know nothing's the same as baseball or whatever, but my point is you can kind of go out and do some of those other sports. Football, you can never do that again, you know? And um, I just poured my heart and soul, everything I had into football. I would stay, again, I was a local kid, so it's a little different, but I would stay on campus year-round. Um, summer, I'd be out there four mornings out of the week, you know, 6 a.m. workouts, you know, me and, you know, seven or eight others in the month of May, and then more would come in June, and then the entire team would come in July, and I mean, I've been there all all summer long, and, I stay after practice, do film session, all that, and I just loved it. But in doing all that, and I, I wouldn't change anything, but in doing all that, man, I didn't think about my future at all. And, um, you know, Carson Newman, my communications department, I mean, it's not like the School of Journalism at Tennessee or at Missouri or at Syracuse or broadcast or anything like that. I just got a normal comm degree with, a you know, a advanced speaking and writing. Um, and I really didn't think about my future. I didn't do internships. I didn't do uh, summer jobs or anything like that. And again, I probably should have. I might have been a little bit quicker, you know, up the ladder a little bit, if you will. Um, but again, I wouldn't change anything. But when I when I graduated Carson Newman, I had no options. And so um, I knew the sports information director at Carson Newman, and he was looking for a GA. And I was like, man, I you know, I, I like to write. I've been doing a little writing with the, with the standard band of the local paper over here. And he was like, well, I'd love for you to come on. So there, I guess it was 20... 
guess it was 2015 or 2016 and 2017 is when um, I spent two years at Carson Newman, got a master's degree. And while doing it, I was in the sports information department. And the biggest difference in, you know, SIDs at, you know, Tennessee or some big schools compared to, you know, Carson Newman or some small schools is you do everything. Um, and I wrote, I statted, I broadcasted, I took pictures, video editing, audio, I mean, literally everything. And it was rough there. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was, um, I was pretty, I was pretty raw. And, you know, Michael Watrang, who does a lot of Tennessee games for the SEC Network Plus and, uh, you know, does some professional soccer games. He was kind of my mentor and really helped me out a lot. And I got to learn how to do all that stuff. But in those summers when I was still at Carson Newman after graduating, um, I would apply for, I love baseball, and I would apply for, you know, some some play-by-play gigs, some internships. And uh, Kingsport called me back, and we met a couple of times. And in the summer of 2016 and 17, I did the home games and, and some of those away games because in the Appalachian League, it's now a uh, a collegiate, um, you know, summer league, but it used to be affiliated. And, you know, Elizabeth and Greenville, Bristol, Johnson City, I mean, they're all right there. So I would do the home games and the the, the close games around there. And um, I think I broadcasted those summers probably, I don't know, 60 or so games in the span of two and a half months. And uh, it's where I found my voice. It's really where I found some command behind the microphone. I wasn't, you know, mumbling or I didn't, you know, ha- you know, just reps on reps on reps. And um, that was the single greatest blessing in my career was being able to go and do, and do those throughout the summer. Um, love baseball. Got to see some great baseball players, some baseball players who are in the show right now. Uh, got, you know, it was, it was a really, really cool job. Made a little bit of money, enough to live on. And um, that was really, really cool. I'm a big Braves fan, but uh, I will forever, uh, you know, be indebted a little bit to the Mets for giving me an opportunity to, to do some of their rookie league games. Yeah, shout out to all of our buddy Tyler Ivins, big Mets fan right there. When I left the uh, sports animal, so I had this stool. It's over here somewhere next to me, but the top of it's like Jeff County Patriots. Well, when I went to to Kingsport, they had those same stools, but on top it was like New York Mets. And I grabbed like three or four when I left, and uh, I, I left one for Tyler when when I left the radio station, and he was he's all pumped up about it. You know, Tyler. Oh yeah, we're gonna have to ask him about that next time he's on with us, right, Jordan? For sure, man. For sure, I'm sure he's got oh, a great story with it. You you got you guys have had Tyler on before me. Goodness yeah, we've had crazy, Tyler on man. twice already. Jeez. Oh, man. I mean, I know I'm talking a lot, but I bet that podcast is like two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was pretty long. Second one wasn't as long right there. But uh, yeah, Tyler's a great guy and lots of good information from him right there that he was able to yeah. share for us. But, uh, you know, kind of talk about you working with Tyler, man. Um, you know, you were with uh, Tyler and Heather Harrington, I believe, at the beginning with the animal. Then you moved over to Tyler and Will on the uh, starting lineup. And then you uh, left the left the animal after that. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, again, so I was, when I got done with my graduate assistantship at, at Carson Newman, I gotten back from King sports and, uh, this was August, July, August of 2017. And, um, <laughs> I had already lined up. I mean, at the time I still didn't really know, I guess just from what I've been doing the past two years, I was thinking more sports information and, and a little bit inside of me never wanted to do that because I always wanted to have opinions and, and not, I mean, there's so many great SIDs and, um, work with so many great SIDs at, at Tennessee right now, and they do s- such a great job. And I would say they don't have opinions, but if you're an SID, everything is slanted to that school, right? I mean, your job is to promote that school and to, you know, eyeballs and, and, and good light and vibes on that school. You know, I, I'm too opinionated, right? And so I wanted to be on the other side and and do all that. But I mean, I didn't know. I mean, all I'd done is been an SID in that kind of that, that world. And so I'd uh, lined up a job 
and got accepted. Like they gave me the job. I was going to be the women's basketball sports information director at South Alabama. And um, I had an apartment lined up, ready to roll down there in Mobile. And I was excited to be about, I hadn't traveled a lot at the time. And I was like, man, New Orleans is like an hour and a half away. I'm going to be on the beach. I mean, I was looking forward to it. And one night, it was towards the end of the season in Kingsport before I left, like a month before I left. And um, I just keep getting notified, like Twitter, Twitter notification, Twitter notification. I'm like, what is going on? When the game was over, I look and it looked and Jeff Jarnigan tweeted out that they needed a board off. They needed a producer um, and they were looking and like all my friends just tagged me in it, just tagged me in it. And Jeff Jarnigan ended up getting my phone number and called me. He was like, you must be famous because everybody was telling you to tell me that I should be calling you. And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, what are you doing? You want to come up and talk about this job? And I'm like, sure. So, you know, a couple of days after that, I drove up to Knoxville, sat down with Jeff Jarnigan and, uh, you know, talked with him a couple of times. He gave me the job and. Started out with Tyler and Heather, and I, you know, I, I had found my voice behind a microphone, but I'd never done sports talk. To be honest with you, I'd never really listened to sports talk. Um, you know, the, the legendary morning show, Dog Jeff and Heather, never listened to it. <laughs> I mean, John and Jimmy, never listened to them. I mean, I was like, it was a new world, but I love sports, and I was a sports fanatic, and I kept up with all that type of stuff. And um, learning that this industry was super intriguing to me. I talked about football. And uh, how I was just kind of a geek and, and, and love the, that language and the, the why and the and all that. That's how I view programming a radio show. I love it. And uh, programming my podcast every day. It's just really fun. And I mean, it wasn't easy. There was first couple of months were really difficult to learn um, how to run a board for a radio show. It's just massive. And once you get the hang of it, it's, it's super easy. But it took a little while. And, and then slowly but surely, Tyler was so great. He was like, man, I want you to pipe in. I want you to talk. I want you to talk more. You know, I'm going to go to you. I want you to give me your opinion. And um, kind of kind of grew into that role a little bit. And and then when they shifted, you know, Heather went to middays before she was at IVK, where she is now. And and Tyler and, and Will got together. And from the, get, from the beginning, the three of us planned that show together. And, um, I mean, I was always by them, and I, I thank them for, for this forever. But I was always included. I was a third of that show. That's how they, they made me feel. And. It truly was Tyler, Will, and Kaner. That's how I felt about it. I mean, it was, it was you know, the starting lineup with Tyler and Will, but, I mean, I felt like I was just as big of a part of that show as, as they were, and I'm, again, forever thankful of that. And, man, we had a blast. You know, I was kind of coming to my own, kind of kind of really knowing the industry, knowing how to program a show. We were having so much fun, and um, it was so much fun. I love being with those guys, and ultimately, you know, I ended up moving on, but um, I love radio. I still think one day I'll do radio again. I don't know what that looks like, but uh, I, that was a, a really, really fun time in, at, at 99.1. Yeah, maybe you uh, you and Tyler and Will get back together one of these days and do a three-way show. Maybe. Um, but, man, you know, I know you got the nickname Kaner, and I believe, and I'm going off the dome right here, uh, but I listen to 99.1 every day. That came from Eric Ainge, didn't it? So Ainge will take credit for it. Tyler Ivins has a friend named Kane, and they call him Kaner. And so Tyler called me Kaner first, uh, but in typical Eric Ainge fashion, he'll take credit for it. But it was it was Tyler. Oh, that's good right there. I didn't know that. Yeah, always learning something, man. Well, <laughs> you, you keep talking about football, man. You want to talk some? Let's talk football. All right, buddy. Uh, what do you kind of expect for the Vols in twenty twenty four? Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, obviously everybody's excited. Um, I think Nico's going to be, you know, the real deal. Um, as soon as he throws an incompletion or an interception, everybody's going to be up in arms. Like, oh, we're paying for that. You know, it just kind of comes with the territory. I mean, the number one overall prospect in the country, five-star. But 
Um, he wasn't wow through the air, really, in the Citrus Bowl. He didn't have to be. You know, you ran for 230. He was a big part of that. And um, his ability to extend plays, his escapability, I love that. And um, I'm a believer in Nico. I really am. And I'm excited to see what he can do for 12 regular season games. Couple that with a with a you know a veteran offensive line coming back, and you add Lance Hurd, which is huge. And you know on my show today, I had Dane Davis, who's uh, you know started many games for Tennessee. And if Dane Davis is your swing guy, you're in really good shape. If Dane Davis has to step in and start some games, you're in good shape, in my opinion. Um, and of course, he's going to be competing to start at one of those tackles anyway. But I like what they have on the offensive line. Love what they have in the backfield. Albeit you're losing a lot of production and Jalen Wright and Javari Small, but I like what they have in the backfield. I think this receiver room is going to be. A lot better. You know, I I was wrong going into the this past season, knowing that they lost Cedric Tillman, knowing that they lost the Blitnikoff Award winner Jalen Hyatt, knowing that they had Brew McCoy and they had Romel Keaton who stepped up and, and Squirrel Wide and they, they went out and got Dante Thornton. I was like, you know, these receivers are going to be okay. They're going to be fine. You know, they're, they're going to be just okay. Receivers took a big old step backwards this year. Um, in saying that, I think these receiver, this receiver group for 24 is going to be okay. I, I love the combination. Squirrel's a stud, man. Brew McCoy coming back and, um, you know, what he brings to the offense is physicality. I like Chris Brazel. Dante Thornton was coming around before his injury. Add in Mike Matthews, Braylon Staley. And oh, yeah, got Chaz Nimrod and Caleb Webb who got a little PT this year. I, I like that group a lot. So offensively, I think you're going to get back into being, you know, more of a top 10 offense to where Josh Heupel's kind of, made a name for himself defensively you're going to be better at linebacker you're going to be inexperienced but I think athletic and quicker in the back end and that front line you lose Tyler Barron had a whole lot of production but you bring back everybody else and you bring back the nation's most feared pass rusher in my opinion James Pierce so uh this defense is going to be pretty good in my opinion uh, I'm excited I'm excited about it I think this uh this football team has the potential to be better than last year and and we'll see how many games they can win Man, that defense this year, it, like you said, secondary, they're going to be young and inexperienced. But, man, they cannot get any worse than what they have been. So they got to be better. I think that's why we've seen a mass exodus of guys out of the secondary this year. You know, it's funny, man. Like, you look at the stats, you get in the nitty-gritty, and, like, they've improved in the secondary, uh, not just defensively, but they, they've, like, improved every single year. But I know what you're saying. It's like same mistakes, same guys, same limitations. Um, at what point do you need to have an influx of youth there? And, and I think that, you know, we saw a lot of cornerbacks play this year, but that, in my opinion, was out of necessity because there were injuries. Right. Um, you would not have seen Ricky Gibson play as much if not for injury, which is a shame because I think Ricky Gibson should have played a little bit more. Danico Slaughter, I think, is a fine player, but he was hurt all year long. Kamal Haddon was playing like an All-American, but he missed half the season and, and gave Judah had his limitations, but he was solid. Um, but there's two safeties, man, whether it be Trayvon Flowers and McCullough or McCullough and Wesley Walker, you put those guys out there, they're going to play 75 snaps a game. Nobody else is going to play, and I think that's just wrong. I think Andre Tarantine should have played a little bit. I think Jordan Thomas, when healthy, should have played a little bit. Tamari McDonald, the star, should have played the star, should have played a little safety. Um, I think Boo Carter's got to play some as a true freshman at star or safety. Um, uh, you know, they, they were – they were fine. They were getting better, but the limitations were still there. And, and and I think it makes it worse because fans have been watching the same guys do this for three years, and it just kind of amplifies that a little bit, right? So um, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what that back end looks like, that secondary. I, I think Jordan Thomas, you can keep him healthy. He's a player. Um, I like what I saw from Andre Tarantine coming in there at the end. Um, super pumped to see uh, Jerron McCoy out of the transfer portal. I think he's a, I think he's a player. And so uh, you couple that with a pretty good front seven, and you can be a really good defense. 
Absolutely. I think, and, and I've, t- I've said this before too, as far as the secondary goes, I think the numbers don't, are numbers don't lie, but they can be deceiving. And I think yeah, that I it's because for years, Tennessee, or, well, not years, but for the last two years anyway, Tennessee would jump somebody so early, teams didn't have a choice but to throw the ball. So those those secondary numbers look a little a little bit more questionable than what they really are. Yeah, and I mean, when the front seven's not good to the quarterback, it leads your back end out the dry. I mean, at the beginning of the season, the front seven were getting there pretty well. And then towards the middle of the year in SEC play, the front seven was really inconsistent a little bit, and it kind of you know showed those warts in the back end. It's all... It's all one unit, right? I mean, one can't work without the other. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, they kind of went hand in hand. I mean, look at the, the simple play of the, the Spencer Rattler pick six with Kamal Haddon. I mean, James Pierce caused that play. James Pierce was up in his face, and he sailed the throw, and there was Kamal Haddon, nobody around. It was like third and 20, I believe, third and 18, and he was playing off coverage anyway, but, you know, made the easy play. So uh, we'll see what happens. But you're right. I mean, it was, it was uh, you know, Tennessee – jumping on teams early in the first quarter, putting them in a hole. Yeah, they got to throw the football to come back. And, uh, you know, if, if you can't – if you're not confident in your front seven, your front four to get to the quarterback, you got to play more uh, – got to play man because you got to bring somebody. And then, of course, you can get dusted in man. Yeah. Well, man, one question I have for you uh, when it does come to football as well, um, what player are you most excited to watch this year that's not named Nico? Good question. Um – Okay, offensively? Yeah, give me an offense and a defense. Okay, offensively, there's still like two that I'm thinking of. I'm so excited to see Cam Seldon play. Um, I think he's a stud. But, you know, I'm probably going to go Ethan Davis. I'm intrigued with Ethan Davis because he always played wide receiver in high school. He's a bigger wide receiver. He did not put a hand in the dirt ever until coming here to Tennessee. Um, But sitting back there learning that, you know, he's another guy that I thought should have got a little bit more playing time this year in blowouts. But, just sitting there learning and, and watching and growing and I think athletically route running, all that type of stuff. I mean, again, he's been a receiver before. He's going to be just fine, but I'm intrigued to see what he looks like at H-back, you know, blocking, stuff like that. Uh, but I think he's got all the talent in the world. So I'll go Ethan Davis on offense. On defense, give me Arian Carter. Uh, there was so, so much hype about him coming in this year. And I think that he was a little slow out of the gate. Again, it's a huge transition, right? Huge transition. And I think he was a little stiff. I think he was a little slow. Um, I think they tried so hard to put some weight on him that it kind of slowed him down a little bit. And and before his season-ending injury, it looked like he was starting to come around just a little bit. But uh, I like Aaron Carter. I think he's got every tool in the toolbox to be a standout linebacker at this level um, and to join the likes of you know some of those guys playing and, and Peely and, of course, Elijah Herring's playing a lot. Jeremiah T. Lander, I thought, had a good year. But I think Aaron Carter can be better than any of those guys. And so um, I'm intrigued to see kind of the step that he takes as a sophomore this year. Yeah, I agree, man. You know, I'm really excited to see Dylan Sampson be that lead back as well. Yeah. What what do you kind of expect from him this year? Yeah, he's kind of been the third option, right? Um, When he should have been at times the second option more consistently. Um, He took over the game. Small and Wright both kind of got banged up at Kentucky, and he just flat out – Took over that game, 91 all-purpose yards in the uh, in the fourth quarter of that game. I've written about this times and times again, so I can memorize it. Uh, but he, he was a stud, man. And, of course, you remember the four-touchdown game against Virginia? I don't want to take anything away from that, but, I mean, that was just like right, ran down the field. Okay, here, touchdown. It's, you know, come in, swing pass, touchdown. It's, oh, you're the two-yard line, touchdown. I mean, they were they were kind of giving me scores, right? Um, but I'm, I think that uh, he, he has a nice blend of speed. He's learned how to run between the tackles. 
He's getting bigger. He's a leader. He's one of the, the key leaders on that team as a sophomore this year, not playing as much as he would have liked. He was a key leader. And so I'm excited about him. I think that he's going to be really, really good. My question is, is it going to be him and Selden kind of one, two, 50, 50, or are they going to work Peyton Lewis in a little bit as a true freshman, kind of like Dylan Sampson, his freshman year in 2022, um, I'll be kind of intrigued to see what that looks like, but I'm excited about Dylan Sampson for sure. Yeah, I think you need to have those three, just to have that three-headed monster like the Vols did last season. Personally, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, I mean, there, there, there wasn't enough carries to go around because I'm the, I'm, I'm in the opinion that you know Jalen Wright deserved to have four or five more touches a game, but if he had four or five, six, seven, you know, more touches a game, would he be as effective as he was? I mean, he was always fresh. Um, he had four touchdowns this year. All four of those touchdowns came from 40 yards or more. You know, he had like a 72, a 53, a 46. I mean, he, it was incredible. They're on the first, you know, series or so of the game. He was really, really good. Would he have been as effective if he was getting the football 15, 16 times a game? I don't know, but I would like to have seen him got the ball more than 11. Um, but, uh, it still does keep everybody fresh and it keeps everybody kind of off balance. And, uh, Tennessee's kind of the luxury to do that right now. Whereas, and back in 2021, you pick your position. You couldn't do that. And that just kind of shows you where this roster is now compared to where this roster was whenever you know, Hypel inherited it. Absolutely, man. It's, it's come a long way in a short period of time. Uh, speaking of, you know, how far the programs came in the last couple of years and whatnot, did you see the other day, I've been dying to ask somebody this, McElroy, he got on uh on his show and was like, "Oh, I give them a fifteen percent chance to make twelve team playoff." Uh, talking about Tennessee, uh, just all kinds talking all kinds of business. What what do you think about that? Well, you bring back the majority of your team, right? Um, and, and so from that respect, I can see why he think that. Um, but you do make a change at quarterback. And I know Joe Milton was it was a tough task. I mean, he already transferred once. He already kind of lost his job back in 2021. He was the next guy after Hendon, which is one of the most successful quarterbacks in Tennessee history. Um, Nico sitting right there. I mean, Joe Milton was in a lose lose situation, right? Um, but he was far. He was he was far from perfect, but he was he was very very far from being bad. I mean, think about the quarterbacks that have been here at Tennessee over the last 15 years. You have one good one. That's Josh Dobbs before Hendon Hooker. You know. Think about the quarterbacks that started football games for Tennessee. Then think of Joe Milton this year. And people want to make him out to think that, you know, he was just the the worst quarterback in the nation. I mean, he's far from it. Um, but having said that, again, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm a believer in Nico. I think that Nico possesses more traits to make more plays than Joe does. Uh, specifically that escapability, extending plays, making things that not just running, but, you know, he made one play in the Citrus Bowl where he ran straight to the sideline and threw a back shoulder throw to the to the sideline at for Mel Keaton. That was a beautiful play. The the play to Ethan Davis in the orange and white game uh last spring. I mean it's gorgeous. Like those type of plays Joe Milton can't do. And we didn't really see Hendon Hooker do those plays either. So you get an uptick at quarterback, you get a little bit better play more consistent with your quarterback and your wide receivers. Uh you still get after the passer. You still run the football the way you are. I mean you're gonna win some more games in my opinion. You got to be consistent. So um from one aspect I see where he's coming from because you do return a lot of the same guys that you've had this year. But from the other, um, I, I think if Tennessee can kind of get over some of those those road woes early on and, and play good football at Oklahoma, play good football and, and a game you should win at Arkansas, then you're going to be you know poised to go back and win you know nine, maybe 10 games this year. So I would give them, Tennessee, more than a 15% chance because, again, it's a 12-team playoff. If you get the 10 wins in the regular season, you are right there. I mean, you are in that conversation, if not in. 
if you're at nine wins late in the season, I mean, you're you're right there on the threshold as well. And I think Tennessee can do that. Well, you know, man, and kind of touching on the quarterback thing as well. I saw this last night when I was doing show prep, but Tennessee, since Josh Heupel's arrived to Knoxville, has only thrown 11 interceptions, which is number one in the country. And the next closest school is Colorado with 17. So the improvement we've seen right there from the coaching staff with the quarterbacks has been unbelievable. But do you think that Nico, uh, Merklinger, and McIntyre are all going to kind of be able to keep that going? Or are we going to start to see those numbers move up a little bit more? I don't know. You know, we'll see. Um, One thing about Joe Milton was, you know, his time at Tennessee in 2021, his time at Michigan, he was not an accurate passer. You know, he he came in with like a, a career completion percentage of like like 57. 50, I mean, it was bad, right? There was one year at Michigan, I believe he had a 49% completion percentage. Or maybe that was his first year at Tennessee, albeit he didn't play an awful lot. Nonetheless, Joe Milton before this year, and I mean, you know, he was given the ball and he 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 balled out in 2022 and mop-up duty, you know, just throwing bombs and all that. But I mean, kind of coming in this year, the rep on Joe Milton was he wasn't a very accurate quarterback. And I think he had his career best completion percentage of around 65, maybe 66. And, um, you know, that that's working with Josh Heupel. That's working with Joey Halsley. So um, I would give them the benefit of the doubt right now. I mean, I think Hendon Hooker protect the football really well. Joe Milton protect the football really well. He had that trip sack fumble that was bad at, at Alabama, of course. Um, but um, I, I think that's something that they obviously – I mean, every football coach is going to stress, you know, don't turn it over. But the way they teach and the way they coach, I mean, I'm not a quarterback coach. I don't know. But uh, there's there's something there. So I'm intrigued to see how Nico does in that respect. And then, of course, you know, Mark Linger and or George McIntyre down the line. But with Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton sitting three seasons, they've uh, they've done a great job protecting the football. Absolutely. Speaking of George McIntyre, what's your what's your thoughts on him as far as prop player, everything, everything like that goes? What do you think of him? Yeah, big arm, lively arm, can make all the throws. Um, he he's got a he's got a stature that you want in a quarterback. Now, you want him to have literally thirty pounds, <laughs> like you want him to bulk up, and he's got a, a year to do that before hopefully he he gets in here as an early enrollee. But um, that, that'll that'll be a, a process. But he's got the frame to do it. I mean, he weighs like one eighty two right now. He's got the frame to do it. And uh, Nico showed up, I think, at one ninety, and he or maybe one eighty five, and he's at two ten right now. So you're kind of seeing the the progression even with Nico. So, um, I, yeah, but I like him a lot. Um, I think he's a really, really good quarterback. Quarterback's in his blood. Of course, we know about his grandfather, his uncle, his cousins. I mean, they all have college football experience. I think his dad as well. Um, the fact that he's an in-state quarterback of that magnitude I think is huge because that's not something Tennessee's been able to the state produce in, in quite some time. And um, I think he's going to be really, really good in, in recruiting. I mean, we've talked about this at VolQuest and on my, on my podcast a little bit this week, but – now, the Nico effect. Everybody was thinking Nico was gonna, you know, have all these five stars, four stars want to come in and play with him. And to an extent, it was a little disappointing that that didn't happen. But Tennessee was in a whole lot of conversations with those guys, whereas they wouldn't have been without Nico. You got George, and he's been gone to camps with, you know, all these guys and you know, Ethan Utley and, and, and you know, Cam Sparks and Radarius Jackson and uh, you know, a lot of these other, you know, and he knows Josh Petty and he knows David Sanders, a couple five star offensive tackles, one Gaston. And he knows all these guys, and I think he's going to have a lot of pull in this recruiting class. So I'm excited to see what it uh, what it what it looks into. But uh, jo- I wrote about it this week. You know, Josh Heupel, he's got a staple. There's been some shortcomings in recruiting since he's been here at points and times. But he gets a quarterback early, and he gets guys who get after the quarterback. And um, you know, getting a quarterback in January is just huge. And I, I can't wait to see what this class looks like. 
Yeah, I agree, man. You know, I, I actually live out here in Nashville, so I've been pretty familiar with McIntyre for a little bit. I'm going to have to go catch one of his basketball games coming up soon and see if I can get in front of him or something right there. But, uh, you know, speaking of basketball, and I am the hoops guy over here on the pod, I do want to talk a little bit of Tennessee hoops with you right now since the Vols are ranked fifth in the country, just are on an unbelievable run right now, probably playing as hot as anybody else in the country. But what are your expectations at the midway point of the season? I mean, are the Vols going to make it all the way to Phoenix? Do they have the aspirations to cut down the nets? What are what are you kind of seeing right now? Well, aspirations for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's true. what you want. Um, I filled in for uh, on the morning show at, at, at the Sports Animal a couple days ago, and we had Steve Hamer on. And I asked him, I said, "Hey, kind of, you know, six games into the conference slate, is this team better or worse, or kind of about where you thought they'd be?" Uh, you know, after those exhibition wins, you know, before the season started. And he said, hey, I think they're a little bit better, right? I mean, and it's not hard to see why. You got two huge reasons, one bigger than the other. That's Dalton Connect. I mean, Dalton Connect's already been one of the best players in the country. He's in contention to be the National Player of the Year. He's the National Player of the Week and SEC Back-to-Back Player of the Week. I mean, he's he's a stud. I mean, just a bona fide scorer and can play off the dribble and can drive to the to the, to the the rack. And, I mean, it's it's been really cool to watch him play. But also Jonas Adu, I mean – this guy is really, really good. That hook shot around, you know, a couple feet out from the basket and his ability to not only play defense, to be a relied upon scorer, to maybe get you 10 points at least a ball game. I know he's been doing more here of late. Huge reasons why Tennessee doesn't have to rely on Santiago Vescovi or Josiah Jordan-James or, you know, even Jordan Gainey who kind of broke out of his slump, uh, you know, against Alabama. So um, aspirations got down the nets, absolutely. Um expectations we'll see i mean i know you you're you're the hoops guy you know better than anybody it's how you playing who's your matchup and and even sometimes how you're playing doesn't matter i mean in 2022 tennessee was sprinting to the NCAA tournament won the uh won the sec tournament with uh kennedy chandler on a bum ankle and you know we're sprinting there got out in the second round you know last year you're limping you just lost one of your best players in zakai ziegler you're limping to the to the march madness tournament and and you go to the sweet 16 i mean it's all about matchups and and kind of what you can do there. That's why I think I think it's the hardest thing in sports, in my opinion, to get to Omaha. I think it's the second thing. I, I think it's second hardest thing to do is to win a you know a basketball championship, just because it's such a grind. So we'll see. I'm I'm excited. They got depth. The fact that you don't have to rely on Santiago Vesky to score 20 to win you games. I mean, you've had to do that the last couple of years. You don't have to do that this year, and that's not a discredit to him. He can just go and play ball. Um, it just shows you kind of where you are as a program. Well, and you know, if you're if you're having to rely on Santi, you saw what it got us the past three years. Where now yeah. Dalton comes in, Jonas has made a huge improvement, and Zakai even has gotten better than we thought he could as well. So, just been a lot of fun this season. It's been a blast. Um, it's so much fun to sit back there and watch. And I, I have more of a hand in football and baseball and everything over at VolQuest, but just kind of sit back and, and watch and be able to kind of talk about you know, this basketball team coming together and um. I mean, there was a there was a little bit of a stretch where Dalton was kind of going through it, and you know Jordan Gainey's been going through it, and Josiah Jordan James is playing better than anybody, better than he's ever played in his career to begin the season, and then he's going through it a little bit. I mean, everybody's kind of had a slump, and that happens, right? I mean, it's a long season, but there's so many different options now. I mean, Jonas Adu again is picking up a lot of the slack. Dalton Connect is Superman the majority of the time. Um, it, it's, it just shows you the depth that you have and the options, the scoring options you have. And of course, you know, Tennessee's always going to play good defense. I mean, that's just a given with Rick Barnes. We, we keep talking about Jonas and, and Dalton. Um, as far as Adu goes, what, what stands out to you this year as mo as the mo the biggest thing he's improved with his game? 
Uh, to me, probably physicality. Um, I thought sometimes he would kind of back away from that in years past and um, kind of shy away from that. But I think he's more or less embracing it, you know, now now in this season. I think that he's wanting the basketball down there in the low block and he's wanting to bang and, you know, try to get in there and that hook shot or, you know, whatever the case is. I think, again, a lot of times on the offensive end, he wouldn't embrace that. And I think that he has this year for sure. That's, again, I'm not the biggest, you know, basketball X's and O's guy, but for me, that's just something that I've observed this year is just wanting to be that guy and, and kind of, knowing you know what it can do for the team if you are that guy and kind of taking Toby Awaka's defensive you know aggressiveness and throwing it to Jonas to do on offense and that's something that I've noticed a little bit and I mean he's truly you know a second option at points and times for Tennessee right now and that's I would have not said that last year I mean I would have thought I was crazy but I mean credit to him for for working man he's um he's been really good well yeah you know and one thing on that too he that just he's really working hard and Olivier Kamwa and Euros Plaschitz leaving the program, I think was really big for what Jonas is able to do with that leap that he's taken forward this year. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, those are two guys and we know about Olivier and the blowups he had last year against Texas and then against Duke. And, um, but there was, there was a lot of, you know, in between games, tweener games, not that he wasn't working hard. I mean, he was a good kid and, and everything, but he had a lot of tweener games where he just kind of didn't show up, uh, but he was getting his minutes and, and, Uros was getting his minutes and, and, um, you know, Uros is a fan favorite and he was, he was, uh, you know, God bless him. He was, uh, he was a guy that I want on my team, but, uh, we all know the limitations that were there as well offensively. And, and then Jonas is getting a lot of those minutes now. I mean, he was, he was playing, but he's getting a lot more of those minutes with those two guys leaving, getting more opportunities. So yeah, to your point, uh, I think that it's also a contributing factor knowing that those guys aren't options and you are, you're getting those looks now and uh, he's taking advantage of them. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree with you completely on that. I think we kind of hashed out hoops. Uh, how about we end up the show with some start bench cut? How do you buy, how do you guys think about that? Let's do it, man. Yeah. It's, been, it's been, a, it. been a minute since I played that. Yeah, I want to I want to throw you back to the morning show since I always listened to you back then. But, uh, man, I got a couple that we prepared for you today. So start bench cut. I want to know your favorite Tennessee uniform on campus. I have got the baseball cream jerseys, the hoops cream one with the vol script on it, or uh, the original smoky gray in football. Um, I would start the the cream baseball. I would, I would bench the cream basketball. That's such a clean look, I and then I would it. cut the original uh, smoky grays in football. A lot of people don't like the smoky grays. I like the newer. Uh, I didn't like the Smoky Grays this year, obviously. With the, I, I like the throwback and what they were trying to accomplish and everything. I just thought it was a bad look uh, from from a you know just a uniform standpoint. But the Smoky Grays in twenty twenty two, I thought were pretty good. But I know a lot of people don't like that. But I would start the baseball cream because I'm a baseball guy. Bench basketball cream because I think it looks great. And I'd bench the original or cut the original uh, Smoky Gray carbon copy. I'm gonna I'm gonna start the OG football gray. Okay. I'm going to bench the cream hoops and I'm going to and I'm going to cut the cream baseball, but there's not a bad there's not a bad order. There's just not. So you're you're, you're reversing what I did. I, I think you're starting the 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 OG football Smokies cuz cuz you're a football guy. Uh, good 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 possibility. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm such a big basketball guy. I wish they'd put those out on the on the market where we all could go buy those. I mean, I don't know why they're not doing it, but just love those right there. Uh, next one we got for you. Uh, best coach in Tennessee football history. We've got Philip Fulmer, Robert Neeland, or Johnny Majors. Goodness gracious. <laughs> uh, I mean, 
Wow. This is uh how did we never have this one on the morning show? Um <laughs> I mean, you got to start the general. I mean, not just for what he did with UT football, but for football in general. I mean, <laughs> no pun intended. For the sport of football, everything that he did, I mean, some of the concepts, the um you know, the headset on the sidelines to the press box. I mean, that was General Nealon, just a smart little innovation. That's gen- he started doing that. Um I would start the general. I would bench I mean, you got to bench Philip Former. He won you a national title. I can't believe I'm going to cut the late, great Johnny Majors. And that, <laughs> it's crazy. But I think I'll go in that order. I will start general. I'll, be, I'll bench Philip Former and I'll cut Johnny Majors. Okay. All right. What about you, Grant? What say you? Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, with my age, I'm probably going to have to start Philip Former. I mean, he's the only coach that's won a championship in my lifetime. But it's hard, it's hard to bench Neyland. I mean, it, it is because it's names on the stadium, but I'm going to have to do that. And then I think Majors is the obvious cut out of those two because he didn't win any hardware. But it's hard to it's hard to cut a guy like Johnny Majors. Yeah, it, it is. I, I think I'm going to have to go with the same order that Grant had on that one. Just I was I'm barely old enough to remember the '90s where where we where Tennessee was an elite football program. Bill brought. I, I remember uh, the national championship game. Uh, I was in fourth grade. And ha- had basketball that day. Had to get home, rush home, and watch the game that night. I remember watching the uh, SEC championship game against Mississippi State that year at-, at school, actually, because we had basketball that night too. And it was just—I have a lot of fond memories of Phil. So I, I got to go no, with that. There's no wrong. There's no wrong order except for your. No, I'm just kidding. There's no wrong <laughs> order there. Uh, if you would have said not football coach, but just like the greatest vol, then like Johnny Majors is probably up there because everything he did as a player too. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting uh, to, to think of it that way. I mean, that, that was an impossible one. So good job, job well done. <laughs> we always tried to, to, to make those super impossible. So there you go. Well, I got another impossible one that I asked Tyler when he was on with us. Uh, I guess it was last week, but best coach in Tennessee basketball history. Now we're going to do Rick Barnes, Bruce Pearl and Ray Mears. Tyler had a tough one with this one too. So I wanted to put you on the spot with this. I mean, I know the cut is right. Yeah. I think the cut's pretty obvious. I'll start. I'll start Bruce. Maybe that's because I'm younger. I'll start Bruce. I'll bench Ray Mears and I'll cut Rick Barnes. I mean, Rick Barnes is still to be continued because I mean, you know, this, this season could change that, but I mean, obviously Bruce Pearl took you as farther in the tournament than you've ever been as a program. Mm-hmm. I think that says something. And we all know the everything that Ray Mears did. And and Barnes has had a I mean, Barnes has had a very successful stint. I mean, taking Tennessee basketball and the consistency that where it is right now, plus recruiting. Tennessee's never recruited as well as Tennessee's recruiting right now, and I don't think ever will. Um, but I think right now he'd have to be the cut. What do you guys say? Ah, man, I think I think you're wrong on that. I'm gonna start okay. Rick Barnes, just wow, love what he's okay. done. Bruce Pearl is going to be my bench. And as much as I hate to say it, I'm going to cut Ray Mears, which once again, I think that has to do with my age. Jordan. I, I think I'm going to roll with uh, I like, I like your start. I think I'm going to go with Bruce. I'm going to bench Barnes, cut Ray Ray. Hate to do it, but it's, it's my age. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it's my age. <laughs> the, the- these are always good when you can get three different orders from three different guys that, that, that again, you, you, you wrote a really, really strong start bench cut. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And I've got one last one for you. So okay. 
Who is going to be the first coach to bring a championship to Knoxville? Start bench cut, Tony Vitello, Rick Barnes, or Josh Heupel? So somebody in the Monday night chat. You guys on VolQuest? Uh, I am not. Okay. No, sir. Well, you should. Uh, but I'll, uh, I'll we had a Monday night chat. We had a Monday night chat um, a couple of days ago on Monday, and somebody said, which one happens first? You know, uh, a Final Four, um, making the College World Series, you know, championship series, or um, making it the 12-team college football playoff. And so it's kind of the same question, but a little bit different. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but, like, it's easier to get to the playoffs right now in, in, in football than – than the other two. I mean, it's so hard to get to Omaha and it's so hard to get to the final four. Having said that, the first coach to win a national championship, I will go. Gosh. Um, I think football is closer than the other two right now. Is that is that weird to say? And is that crazy to Ooh, say? That's a hot like, take. It is. But like right now, like I, I cover Tennessee baseball, and there's questions about the starting rotation. There's questions about the bullpen. I mean, there's so much talent on that roster. But like I have questions about that roster right now. And sure, I mean, there's there's questions about left guard and some other spots about football. But like the the roster is so much better than where it was. I will start. Nah, I can't start football. I think Tony Vitello is just so so much of a winner. I'll start Vitello. I will bench. Josh Heupel, and I'll cut Rick Barnes again just because I think it's so difficult to, to cut down the nets in the end. That's why, like, active coaches and, and coaches with, like, multiple Final Fours, the Izzos, the Krzyzewskis, you know, all, you know the all those guys, that's why you got so much respect for them. Calipari, you don't have to like them, but, like, it's so difficult to get to the Final Four, and so that's that's why I'll go with my order. Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, I'm, I mean, it's it's hard not to start Tony V in this from everything he's yeah. shown with what he's been able to do in his time on Rocky Top. But I think that this is the year for Rick Barnes. I really, really do. I mean, this is the best team he's probably ever had and will be the best that he'll have moving forward, I think, just yeah. with his age and all that. I'm going to start Rick Barnes just because I think that's what I want. Bench Tony V, and I'm going to cut Heupel, but I think football's right on the cusp of being able to break through. Oh, oh buddy. Uh, hot take. I'm, ta I'm starting Heupel. Just because okay. I think I really do think we can get there. He's just got to get over those road woes. Those that's the biggest yeah. thing, the road woes. If we can get if Tennessee can go out to Oklahoma this year, get that done, I'll feel really good about it. Um, I'm gonna go with Barnes second on my bench. I, I, I kind of agree. I agree with Grant. I think they're pretty close, and I think Barnes knows it too. You can see it in the in the way he's coaching ball this year. I think um, Tony V. It kind of the go go to your uh, go to your point there though. There's a lot of questions with with the pitching and stuff like that. And and baseball, you're really only going to go as far as your pitching will take you. Yeah, and you know the, the there's there's a, so much talent. Okay, it's kind of like I did a show on this earlier in the week in terms of football. It's like you know you're losing so much production at running back, but you, but you got so much talent still in that running back room. Except it's just a little bit more in experience and and the back end. You lose an experience, but you got so much talent there. And quarterback as well, like with with baseball. The last two seasons, you've entered the year with five guys who could start games at other SEC programs, literally. Five guys. And this year, right now, you enter with two because the other guys that you think they can start, they're just freshmen right now, and you haven't seen kind of what they can do at this level yet. Now, in April, that can change, and you know, you'll have a Chase Burns or you know a Drew Beam out there. Um, so it's just all this – it's all relative. It can kind of change a little bit. So um, – yeah, these were tough. These were really, really tough. And I, I agree with you. Like with basketball, like Rick Barnes probably as close as he's been. I mean, especially 
Like you're averaging more points and like you're you've you've surpassed the 80 point plateau already like three or four times this year. I mean, you're you got a little bit more than what you've had, you know, in years past. So I'd agree with you there. Okay. All right. Well, before we close out today, man, why don't you tell us what you're working on right now? What you got going on? Yeah, just uh, tons of stuff over there at VolQuest.com, writing a little bit, uh, you know, about Tennessee football and kind of looking ahead to the position groups, uh, you know, for spring practice and stuff like that, plus tons of recruiting coverage and uh, baseball seasons, you know, right around the corner, getting ready to go out to Dallas, Texas for the for the Shriners uh, tournament to, to begin, not really a tournament, but the Shriners Invitational to begin the, the season. So looking forward to that. And um, every morning, you know, Locked On Vols, five, uh, you know, five days a week, I guess, and 30 minutes or less. And uh, whatever's happening with Tennessee football, transfer portal recruiting. Had Dane Davis on the show this morning. He was really, really good and taught loads of George McIntyre. So whatever we're talking about as Tennessee football fans, you can hear it at Locked On Vols, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, well, man, you know, I'm an everyday or on Locked On Vols. I love to listen to you. And great interview with our buddy Dane Davis. He's been on the show with us as well. And great interview and uh, a lot of fun to talk to the kid, you know. Such an easy guy to root for, too. Plus, you guys know I spent some time in Kingsport. I have family from the Tri-Cities, and he's from Bluff City up there. So, like, always kind of felt like, you know, he was my kind of people. And uh, just such an easy guy to root for. Like, you you want him to succeed. And, like, uh, his story, I love it. And he's he's really good. Like, he's uh, he's a guy that's played a lot of good football for Tennessee. So, I appreciate that. He was he was awesome. I hope to, I hope to get him on a couple more times here before the football season. Yes, sir. Awesome. Yes, sir. And he's, he was a good kid. He's a good kid. I enjoyed. We yeah. enjoyed having him that night. Yeah. Well, man, we appreciate you so much for jumping on with us, Eric. And we're going to end the show with a uh, go Vols, sir. Go Vols. Go Vols. If you're looking for the perfect Smoky Mountain vacation, Mountain Romance is your cozy romantic getaway. Starting at one twenty nine per night, you get two bedrooms, two full baths, and this beautiful cabin will sleep up to six people. With an amazing mountain view, fire pit, pool table, and hot tub. This place has it all and is located within minutes of downtown Gatlinburg. To inquire, go to Airbnb and search for Mountain Romance or email bearslayer2021 at gmail.com. This episode of the Ball and Out podcast has been brought to you by our friends at Peace of Mind Enterprises. From construction, home remodel, down to general handyman services, Peace of Mind has you covered. All technicians are licensed and insured servicing East Tennessee with 30 plus years of experience. Call 865-202-7167 for a free estimate because nothing beats having peace of mind.